0: In full disclosure, I'm more of a Trekkie than a warzy, But actually, um, now that I know that William Shakespeare wrote
1: Star Wars, I think I am a convert. Well, you're not going to get any argument from me.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 849 Shakespeare's Star Wars. Ian Descher is the author of the Pop Shakespeare series of books, which imagine popular movies adapted into plays as they might have been written by William Shakespeare. The Taming of the Clueless, Much Ado About Mean Girls, Get Thee Back to the Future. But the book that started it all was William Shakespeare's Star Wars, Verily, A New Hope. And I was thrilled when Ian agreed to sit down with me via Zoom so I could rave about his books to his virtual face. What I love about them is that they are really bar ideas. (laughs) You've had one or two drinks, too many in a bar, and you go, you know how to be great. And yet... (laughs) You have managed to make them actual real things that one can pull off your shelves. Um, So I applaud you, sir, but also want to talk about how you did that.
1: Well, I I mean, essentially I sent the bar idea to, after I had the idea, I had just read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which is one of the first really popular mashups. And so I looked up uh, who had published it Quirk Books, a little publisher in Philadelphia and I went to their website and their editor's email address was uh, listed there. So I sent him an email out of the blue, uh, not having written a book before. And he, and I sent him the bar idea, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if, uh, (laughs) and, and he wrote me back that morning and he was like, this is a fun idea. And if you know, and like, why don't you show me what you come up with? And so I don't think, it would have gone beyond bar idea had he not written back and said, uh, "Well, yeah, that sounds interesting." And then I was like, "Oh, real editor thinks that uh, this could actually have legs, so let's see if I can do it." No.
0: What What was that elevator pitch?
1: That elevator w- pitch was. Um, let I, I want to take star Wars and rewrite it as though it were a play by Shakespeare. It's roughly the length of a Shakespearean play. You would, you know, I already sort of, sort of had, you know, at that point I was like, you would obviously you'd put it in five X, uh, you'd put it in iambic pentameter. You're not, you don't want to do it without the verse. I, I was already thinking, you know, like I, I say this a lot. You hear, you hear a lot of bad Shakespearean parody out there, right? You kind of add F to everything and then it's Shakespearean. Right. right. Uh, and so, I knew from the start that if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it, at least try to do honor to Shakespeare a little more uh, and try to get the language at least close to right. Um, and so that was sort of in my head for, was, was like, I want to rewrite it. It's, it's roughly the same length as the Shakespeare play. I think it would work out. And I think I could do it.
0: It's, it, it, it is sort of genius because you have done, like we, we wrote our faux Shakespeare, our faux spear, Um, William Shakespeare's long lost first play abridged and Hamlet's big adventure abridged. And one of the, one of the first things I noticed in your adaptations of, of these popular movies is that you leave in stuff that Shakespeare kept in and that I would cut, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you took small little moments. You you, you took some small moments and expanded them also wonderfully in a way that you kind of go, Oh gosh, I sort of wish they'd filmed this
1: moment and you turn it into a soliloquy. It's lovely I, stuff. I mean, that was part of the fun as a Star Wars fan. And then also when I moved on to some of the other movies, right, is like, um, is being able to say, like, what is this person thinking in this moment? You know, Shakespeare's never going to have Luke Skywalker stare silently out of the two sons of Tatooine, right? Um, he's going to tell you what Luke's feeling right there. Yeah. Uh, and so to get to do that as a Star Wars fan was super fun. And then, I mean, thinking about a movie like Clueless, where uh Cher's friend Dion, uh the actress playing Dion has such amazing facial expressions all the time. And mm-hmm. so there were so many times where I was like, oh I have to I have to give word to that expression that she just uh y- you know just had.
0: And the and the uh, and the opportunity to turn the famous uh, uh scrawling prologue into an iambic
1: pentameter is it a sonnet I haven't didn't look it is a yet. sonnet yeah, it is a yeah. Sonnet. and that was another one of those sort of just Once I started, once I sat down to write after I'd gotten that encouraging email from the editor, uh, I sat down to start and I was like, okay, here's the opening crawl. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, it's, it's three short paragraphs. And I thought, and then there's, and then you also have a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? You have those three paragraphs and that. So I was like, oh it just feels like it could work as a sonnet um and 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 I, that'd be a nice way to start off you know and it was one of the, one of many things over the course of these books where i was like nobody is making me do this but i think it'll be more fun if we do it this way
0: and the, you t- you made the opening lines of that famous crawl into the closing couplet of your sonnet which is fantastic
1: and then was also able to use that and adapt it basically for every single one of the star wars ones so yeah it was
0: Well, right. And so the success of, of, to give it its full title, William Shakespeare's Star Wars, Verily, A New Hope. Um, The success of that, like the success of Star Wars, led to you writing the the sequels and you started doing other movies. Was that that quirk coming back to you and saying, you know what, what if we did it with these movies?
1: Yeah. So we we had... Always said from, from the start, Jason, who's my editor, he and I would say said, like, we're gonna do this first one and see how it goes, see if people like it and see if it's successful. And uh and it came out and it was successful. And and so he called me two or three weeks after it came out and said, Do you wanna do Empire and Jedi? And I was like, Yes, I would love to. Um and we were never gonna do the prequels. Um, but then Uh, kids who were who were like the age I was when the Star Wars movie, the original Star Wars movies were coming out. Those kids who had grown up with the prequels kept coming up to me at book events and saying, oh, please do the prequels, Uh, please, because that was their Star Wars, you know, that they loved. Um, And so so we did the prequels. uh, And and then once the sequel trilogy started coming out, the seven, eight, nine, uh, it was kind of like, like well, we're not going to not do them at this point, right? So, right, right, we've come this far; we might as well go ahead. And it was in between the prequels and the sequel trilogy that the that Quirk was like sort of looking for other ways to to do some things, and and that's where they decided to do this what they called the Pop Shakespeare series, uh, which was how Back to the Future and Clueless and Mean Girls all happened. Well, and it's perfect.
0: This is one of the things I was hoping to um, research because I want to make sure I get my facts right. But it's perfect that we're talking in this uh, second week of March, 2023, because the Ides of March are coming up, which is the day that George McFly dies in Back to the Future 2. Wow.
1: And I don't remember. That's
0: amazing. But obviously you wouldn't have uh covered uh that you wouldn't have mentioned that fact in back to the future because this is the, we only find this out in back to the future
1: too right right that's right yeah that, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still but still that seems like such a deep a deep shakespearean cut that that george mcfly in back to the future would have been killed on the ides of march by biff Tannen.
1: that is pretty perfect yeah
0: this is another thing that makes your makes your book so authentically Shakespearean. You're making jokes about things most people won't get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For many people, many people won't get. I, I mean, that's it's true. F- from the start, I wanted to uh I knew I wanted to use Shakespearean references, you know, some clearer than others. Um, I knew that I wa- wanted to put in Easter eggs, some of which are are just I mean, some of which nobody would get except like my family or my college singing group or things like that. Right. Um, And others that are are hard to find. But once, you know, they're there, you you know, and others that are that are much, much clearer. Um, And then there were also things that I, you know, things I did with characters. I think maybe Yoda was the first one where I where I did something totally different with the way he talks. Um, He speaks in haiku, which was a a something that came to me after, you know, the first book had come out with no Yoda in it, obviously. Um, and uh, and so, and, and people kind of said, oh, well now everyone sounds like Yoda because the nature of Iambic Pentameter is that you're mixing up word order and, and things mm. like that. And mm. so I knew I had to do something unique with Yoda and had a few different ideas and landed on Haiku. But then after that, you know, when Admiral Akbar comes around in Return of the Jedi, every single one of his lines... Uh, Ends with a word that rhymes with trap, Um, and uh, you know every one of Mace Windu's lines includes the title of a Samuel L. Jackson movie, and like just just dumb stuff, you know, where I was like, this is just this is fun to me, and hopefully somebody else in the world. And your much ado about, is it much ado about Mean Girls?
0: Is that what it is? Yeah, you 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 talk about this being a Fey tale, which is a lovely shout out to Tina Fey.
1: This is Christopher Moore, the author of Fool and the Serpent of Venice, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Podcast.
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of Comedy Abridged five times next month, on April 1st in Restor, Virginia, on April 8th at the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey, then in Pueblo, Basalt, and Lone Tree, Colorado on April 19th, 21st, and 22nd, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, reducedshakespeare.com, or our Facebook page, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Ian Desher, author of William Shakespeare's Star Wars, Verily, A New Hope, and other pop Shakespearean classics. What brought you to Shakespeare originally?
1: So I was a theater kid, and then my... My freshman year i mean I think I think i my my brother, who's four years older than me, he had done Hamlet his senior year in high school it read it in English class, and so I bought a copy of it when I was in eighth grade because he was reading it and I think i I just sort of wanted to you know be like my big big brother um but then it was really my freshman year uh English class we read othello and i i just i fell in love with. The meter. I fell in love with the characters, and I, I've always—I mean, I, I've always loved Iago, and I mean he's such a such a wonderful, awful villain, right? Um, and so, uh, and, and then, and then, this summer after my sophomore year was when Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing came out, and so I saw that a ton of times in the theater, and and I, it was just a really good time to be a young person getting into Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was a sort of a, a kind of a golden age there for a handful of years. Yeah,
0: that's right um right. well and 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 Branna has done such a wonderful job of of, of uh, take taking Shakespeare off the snooty pedestal that, uh, upon which he is often placed right that's right and make, making making yeah. him popular and entertaining which I would argue
1: is what you're doing you're doing the exact I, same thing it's certainly what I'm trying to do and and you know one of the things that's like one of the hidden agenda the hidden agenda of my book is like I know that it I know that most kids don't come to Shakespeare as easily or naturally as as i did and so the hidden agenda is like here's a little bridge into shakespeare right you can take start with something you're familiar with you already know star wars or or mean girls or something like that and and then like you can read this thing that's sort of like quasi shakespeare um you know it sort of introduces you to a a few things and then maybe the leap into romeo and juliet or whatever is not such a big leap was it a big leap um having shakespeare write the avengers and the mcu <laughs> uh it was uh i mean I, my contention at this point i people used to ask me you know oh do you think this particular movie would work as a shakespearean this particular movie and what i've realized over the years is that really any movie that's a good movie is going to work well as a as a shakespearean adaptation um and so the avengers movies were um were, were fun and different in, in different ways. That project, it, it happened, uh, the, the writing part of it happened quickly. And also they, they, because it was going to be all four movies, which were basically four plays in one volume, they wanted them to be shorter than, uh, than my other plays. So I actually felt like I didn't get to play quite as much as I might have in my other books.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Where do you, uh, well, as a lover of Shakespeare, you're a classicist, at least by, in, by accident. Um, where do you come down on the argument that the uh, superheroes are
1: our, um, legendary heroes and gods? Oh, I mean, I think that's, I think that's about right. I mean, I mean, Star Wars is in many ways is like a folk religion, right? For, for, uh, for the people who, who love it and are super into it, um, and and yeah, I mean, our superheroes, I think, are in many ways like our, our sort of our pantheon, you know. And um, yeah, I, I I think I it it is the modern mythology that we're all that we're all creating.
0: It really is. And 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 you know, I'm I write these articles for the Folger, and I'm uh, where I'm looking at pop culture through a Shakespearean lens. And and one of the things that I loved about your books is that because you're imposing a five act shakespearean structure on these popular films you see how easily that fits you see how that structure even in movies which are typically three acts short act one short act three a longer middle act two you you see that within those three acts there is a five act structure and you know shakespeare knew what he was on about dramatic dramaturgically speaking does that was that helpful to you in think thinking about things that way
1: or something you discovered I would say it's something that I discovered more, right? And, and there, there are times when you're, um, especially with Star Wars or, or Avengers, more action-oriented movies. You know, um, times where the in the movie you're flashing back and forth between different scenes of things going on so quickly that that when you're turning it back in, into a stage play, you know, uh, you have to you have to combine some of those scenes to like, you know, you can't jump. I mean, you could, but, but, but narratively, it doesn't work as well to keep jumping between like Luke and Darth Vader and the emperor over here and the rebels down on, uh, you know, Endor here and the space battle going on over here, you know, and to keep having little tiny scenes there, it makes more sense to to lump them together. So there's one longer scene with Luke and, and the emperor and Vader, you know, and something like that, um, that, that helps. I mean, that's where I started to see both the the differences between the movies, um, and I think just just getting, I mean, like you said, sort of having this process of discovery um, of what the movies are doing narratively.
0: Yeah, and you and you you fully embrace the um, the DIY aspect of theater. When when you have you can't show these great special effects sequences that the movies have, you have to have characters and or narrators coming on to describe what is happening, and it is it is it is both stilted and terrific,
1: right? And 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 totally Shakespearean, right? I mean, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's a in one of the one of the criticisms I heard about my first Star Wars book, the first first book I came out with. Um, was that i overused the role of the chorus in describing the action and i and i took that one to heart um and and so did more of the like having characters run in and talk about what's just happened and you know uh things like that and um and i think in that sense making it more like shakespeare would have done it you know um and the illustrations that that are with my uh, that go along with the books are um the illustrator just did such an amazing job of helping you imagine what this might be like, you know, where you've got like starships on on sticks and things like that. Uh, and so, yeah, he did a really great job, a real service to me, I think, um, in, in bringing the idea to life. Yeah, embracing the limitations and visualizing the theatricality is a real treat.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can find the complete works of Ian Desher unabridged at his website, iandescher.com, and his Pop Shakespeare series of books wherever you get your reading material. Send us your Shakespeare franchise via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakesperians.com. Thanks, as always, to stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking, nerf-herder Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Leanne Raddatz, no reason it's just random special thanks to christopher moore whose comic novels include his own shakespeare trilogy fool the serpent of venice and shakespeare for squirrels and as always thanks very much to you for listening please continue to stay safe get all the boosters and keep your masks on i'm austin titchener 849 2547ths of the reduced shakespeare company Well, now that you've accomplished all this, when will you reveal um, William Shakespeare's Star Trek?
1: I would love to do William Shakespeare's Star Trek, and I've thought I've thought over the years, I've had different ideas about it, right? Like, well, if, would you do, uh, you know, some episodes? Would you do? Would you do a three movie trilogy where you would sort of do like maybe Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, and the Voyage Home as your three movie trilogy? Um, I've also thought it'd be fun to take. Uh, a story the tempest has always been the one in my head um but take that but put star trek characters in it right um in, in some way like maybe kirk has been exiled to this this planet and uh so yeah i'm game i'm ready i just need uh, i just need paramount to, to come knocking